everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, you know the poem, First Comes Love, Then Comes Marriage, Then Comes a Baby in the Baby Carriage? Do you know a young couple that's been together for years and they still don't have kids yet? You know, married, no kids? How do you talk to them about it? Should you talk to them about it? And hey, where did that old poem come from anyway? We're talking about it up next after the news with Katie Jarvis. Good afternoon. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. Students at an Atlanta-area elementary school are attending classes today at a nearby high school. They were evacuated yesterday because of gunfire at the school. Police say a man armed with an assault rifle and other weapons was able to get into the school and then held two staff members captive in the front office. The man shot at responding officers at least half a dozen times, and they returned fire and the man eventually surrendered. No one was injured. A military judge has sentenced Army Private Bradley Manning to 35 years in prison for giving military and diplomatic secrets to the website WikiLeaks. The judge convicted the soldier last month of 20 offenses, including six violations of the Espionage Act. U.S. sales of previously occupied homes are approaching a healthy level for the first time since November of 2009. Sales surged last month to a seasonally adjusted rate of 5.39 million. The National Association of Realtors says that sales are more than 17 percent higher than they were just one year ago. And the company that administers the ACT test says nearly a third of this year's high school students who took the test are not prepared for college-level writing, biology, algebra, or social science classes. The company says just a quarter of the graduates cleared the bar in English, science, math, and reading. The numbers are far worse in lower-income high schools. In world news, officials say an Egyptian court has ordered the release of ex-president Hosni Mubarak, but it's not clear whether the prosecutors will appeal the order. The decision comes in a hearing again on charges against Mubarak of accepting gifts from state-owned newspapers. It's the last case that kept a- the ailing leader in detention. He's now on trial for the killing of protesters during the 2011. 2011- 11 uprising against him. And two Syrian pro-opposition groups say that dozens of people have been killed today in a poisonous gas attack near the capital of Damascus. The reports have not been confirmed, but groups say activists are reporting that regime forces fired rockets filled with poisonous gas. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to give you some tools, a leg up in this crazy thing we call life. You know, it doesn't come with a user's manual. We just got the body and now we got to try to figure it out. So on the show, we like to give you some tools, some ideas, some real life solutions for how you can... Uh, Just deal with some of the things that uh, maybe are going on. One thing that has come up, imagine this, okay? You uh, married maybe five, ten years, maybe one year, depending on where you live. And uh, you and your cute little honey go to the family reunion and you're sitting there trying to have some turkey, a little stuffing maybe with your turkey. Maybe it's Thanksgiving. And, you know, you've been trying to get your life together. You're married. You just got married. We're ready to get through college. And some cute aunt says, hey, 
when are you two going to have a baby? Matt, can I tell you a, a story from my family? Did this happen to you? No, this hasn't happened to me yet. Okay, well, it kind of has happened to me. I get more of the "Why aren't you married?" Oh yeah, yet first comes thing. love, then marriage. Well, they yeah. should ask, "Why aren't you in love with someone?" What is your deal? Right? Why? Why? Why haven't I fallen in love? I don't know. <laughs> why haven't you? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? I, listen, I'm asking you. No, why aren't um, you married? So, so my dad was like, I don't know, 26, 27. Yeah, he had. Like a one-year-old baby girl or something. That was my older sister. Um, and he was at this family function with my mom's family. And my maternal great-grandmother comes up to my dad and, and playing with my older sister. And she's like, so, so Jamie, when are you, you going to make me another, another grandbaby? And she kept asking and asking and asking. <laughs> and so um, this was not the first time that she had brought this up. And my dad was kind of sick of it. And so he just kind of turned to her and he yelled at this old lady. He was like, when I figure out how I I made the first one, Uh, I'll make another one. Cricket. Cricket. That's right. That's right. He was angry. (laughs) And how old was she? I I don't know. A thousand. I don't know. But see, that is. a poor 90-year-old lady getting yelled at. I'm pretty sure she was dead before I showed up. Isn't that just the crazy? Like, my daughter's newly married. And young for, you know, getting married. She was young. But um, everyone's asking her. And every time someone asks her, I'm like, shut it. Don't bring that up. Don't bring that up. And she even jokes about it. But it's so there's this inherent thing that if you're married. And and interestingly, we don't we don't ask a young college couple that's not married that are intimate and together we don't say hey uh when are you guys gonna have a baby we because because that's not how it works well, no there's an order a structure and i fully believe in the structure i really do believe love marriage babies great order then there's this weird dilemma because we're asking a question that's so personal well, it's a talking point no matter what age you're at. When you meet someone new, they're like, oh, you married? Any kids? Well, yeah, that's you know, a, it's, it's just automatically like, goes it's just that. what people talk about first. They're, they're more likely to ask about that than they are even to ask about your career. Well, it's interesting. So guys actually, I think, ask more about the career. So, hey, what's your name? Hey, John. I'm John. Hey, what do you do, John? We kind of go to the what do you do? This is, this is all natural selection. It's evolutionarily advantageous. To ask about children. Yeah. Because I, it must be hard-coded in our genetics because people who don't have that hard-coded genetics might not put peer pressure on one another. And so therefore the species That's doesn't survive. Exactly but those that did, did cause peer, pressures, peer pressure, did survive. The code got passed on to future yeah, generations. I think that's it. And that's See, why natural selection makes us that say things Holy that are mean cow. and insensitive to people. Colonel Rob Sanders. I think you're on to something. Oh, so show's your, over. We're done. Your mean old grandma <laughs> was just trying to push natural selection. She was trying to say, look, if you, are you guys procreating? Because we need grandbabies. We need Which she live had bodies. plenty at that point. Yeah. Just wanted to point that out. She's, but see, and so, this is a really interesting thing because, you know, uh, there's the kind of the religious side, which a lot of us believe we're supposed to have children. It's an, it's an essential part of our existence. It's part of the test and the growth. And then there's kind of – there's this, there's this weird um, reality. Listen to these statistics that are happening. 
Uh, right now, according to an article that was in Time magazine that actually made a huge just I don't know what we call it. It, it caused a little splash. It caused a huge splash. Um, but the, the name of the article is called Having It All Without Having Children. Uh, let's see. American birth rate is at a record low. And now what's happening is there's kind of the haves and the have nots are starting to fight. So it's causing this battle between people that are having babies and those that aren't and those that aren't are obviously selfish. And we're starting to polarize kind of this discussion. But listen to this. Um, The birth rate in the United States is the lowest in recorded American history. From 2007 to 2011, the most recent year for which there's data, the fertility rate has declined 9%. A 2010 Pew Research report showed that childlessness has risen across all racial and ethnic groups, adding up to about one in five American women who end their childbearing years maternity-free compared to one in ten in the 1970s. You said that was since 2010? Yeah. Well, that's because nobody can afford it. When Times you're living are tough. in your parents' basement, you don't have a lot of room for the second, third, and fourth kid. And then all of a sudden, people are asking, so when are you guys going to have babies? And interestingly, add to the add to the discussion, some can't have babies. So they're getting peer pressure and social pressure, and they're not having them. Some don't want to have them. Some have very good reasons why they don't have them. I have a client that is so anxious that she had one child and she feels incredible guilt because she thinks that child needs a, needs another brother or sister to play with. But she knows emotionally it'll kill her. So is that selfish or is that really smart? And then meanwhile, we have every other story that we're getting on Earth that of all of these people that shouldn't have kids. So we've got p- people that shouldn't have kids having kids. And then we have people that maybe should be having kids not having kids. What's going to happen to us? We're doomed. If that tr- no, over. seriously, if that trend keeps going, we're doomed. Then there's the guilt, and then there's the question. So what's your deal? So imagine being a woman that would love a child that can't have a child, and every question she gets at every vacation, every holiday is, so why aren't you making babies? Well, and to go along with that, with both sides think they're right. Right. You know, both sides of this argument – or all five sides of this argument think that they are the correct one. And they're looking at the other side very critically where, I mean, there's a lot of things that mostly people who ask the question, why aren't you having kids don't consider at all with regards to the fertility issue. It's extremely expensive to have fertility treatments. It's so expensive. It's even more expensive than that to try and adopt a child. I mean, the people don't even take that into account. If it, if you are infertile, they're like, well, are you trying stuff? What are you trying? Yeah. And it's like, number one, personal. Yeah. Don't ask. Number two, (laughs) do you have any idea how many thousands of dollars that might be? Isn't that the weirdest thing? I have six kids. And so I obviously believe you should have children. But when we told my grandma before she passed, she was in the hospital bed, which probably this wasn't a good timing thing. Um, But we told her we were expecting, I think it was our fourth. And she came from a different school. She was older, but her school wasn't like, you know, multiply and replenish the earth. Her view was, this is basically what she said. Hey, Nana, we're expecting again. And she looked at me with, just like, and these were her exact words, Matthew, control yourself. <laughs> You've got to control yourself. And, but the irony of it is, so this is kind of the opposite of that. We wanted children. My wife was a school teacher. She loved kids. 
She believed in it spiritually. She wanted to. She loved the role. She was way into it. She she wanted to lose herself in it. Honestly, I was a little bit more like maybe four because I don't know if I like kids, and I'm kind of selfish. Well, to, to to give a little bit of context where I come from, my father had one brother, and my mom came from a family of eight. Holy cow! And so, their how many ideas, are in your family? I'm the oldest of nine. What? So, so mom won. <laughs> Basically, um, the interesting <laughs> thing is their family cultures are so very different because yeah. of the amount of children and their ideas of what their own family would be was so radically different. It's just interesting that, you know, my grandma, my father's mother, um, she had these two boys. She raised them as well as she could. It was a great little family. Yeah. You know, nothing. I mean, it was great. And my mom's family, a little bit chaotic, huge Italian family, whatever, worked for them. There was nothing wrong with either right. of the two families. Right. So it was just interesting. Hearing- don't you think it's just so personal? It's such a personal thing. And again, I think I think you can have your belief that we need to have children. And I totally believe that. And I believe I believe it needs to be a choice. Um, and I also believe, honestly, that there are some people that shouldn't go near it. I just can't figure out why I, who shouldn't care, yeah, am so driven to want to ask so badly. <laughs> and it's, it's the, the, the person I the person I'm thinking in mind. He and his wife have been married six or seven years, even at periods of times where they purchased houses, yeah. you know, with room to grow. And so you think, oh, they just bought a house. They got a house, so and they're gearing up. All I can figure is that he and his wife are so awesome that it's yeah. like I can't wait to just see like how awesome this little kid's going to be yeah. who still hasn't come. And then so you're, you're every dying time it's like on the tip of my tongue, like I just want okay, to say, you, hey, let me, there's a it's tip. none of my business, but Th- there's, I'm let just me, curious. There's a parallel question that it, we also ask that is even about you know expecting – but we all know not to ask it. Like, um, well, you never ask a lady if she's pregnant. Never. Oh, boy. Is that true? Never. Especially at a restaurant. Do not in the grocery store, at the mall, well, what at if a she's kind of looking pregnant? Nowhere. Never. Okay. No how. Now tell me why. Because she may not be. Right. <laughs> because you don't know the data. You don't know all the data. Or even if she is, she'll be like, oh, I look really huge, don't I? No, watch this question. So uh, so if I say, so are you pregnant? And you're like, no, just <laughs> bad thyroid. <laughs> then you're dead. You're dead because yeah. you can't talk your way out of it. Now watch this one for Rob's question. So um, what, are, are you are you guys going to – and we, you, we'll just stymie. We were stymied by how to say it. Uh, are you, are you trying to have a baby? Are you going to have a baby soon? Now watch this answer. Oh, yeah, you know, we just miscarried oh. last week. But uh, thanks for your concern. I think what I did let slip was when they had this house that had a lot of rooms in it. Yeah. I think I just said a line just subtly like, well, that's cool. Well, you know, it gives you a lot of room to expand if and when the time yeah. is right. And it, And they didn't. No. Respond to it, so that let that me was, know that it was not an open topic of discussion. Yeah. But I hope that wasn't pushing it too much. That was diplomatic. That was. I wasn't yeah. bad. Yeah, that could have been no, a lot it, worse. Certainly, <laughs> that, but it also doesn't sound like it was a great thing to say either. Well, you know, you know I guess I too. I just, but it also depends on your relationship, and I just think 
we don't know what to do with it. And and again, I think it's called the par- it's the paradox, right? So I can I can believe that people should be having children, and I don't even think that's just my Darwinism in me, the survival of the fittest. I truly believe spiritually, you change when you have to take care of somebody. One of my favorite singers on earth. It's weird. Guess who it is? Josh Groban. Tony Braxton. No. And no. England Dan and John Ford Cohen. Elvis. Now, it'll blow your mind because she's crazy. Pink. Really? I love her. I'm I'm really not going to lie. Did not see that coming. Pink. You're digging that exclamation point for an I? Yeah. P exclamation point NK. And she's so opposite (laughs) of me here. I'm just this little Mormon boy with six kids. But. And she's racy, lives on the edge. You can tell. Does she have a child? Yes. But the the funny thing is, is if you watch her videos before her child and after her child, I see a different woman. I really see somebody that's now tempered and a little bit more like, I'm not going to do something too crazy because I got to go home to my baby. There's something about that. That's my, so that's my spiritual belief. I don't think that that means everyone else has to live that. I really don't. And I also think that there's a lot of people that would love to live it that don't have the opportunity. And yet we still judge it. We still have weird conversations about it. Well, I think that same sort of effect kind of happens in everyone who really serves someone. I mean, I have several severely handicapped cousins. Yeah. And their fam- like their brothers and sisters, their younger brothers and sisters taking care of them totally. since the time they were born. Right. Y- these sorts of things. It, I see the same sort of effect or even people who dedicate their lives to, you know, serving the homeless or yeah. volunteering in schools or I mean, it, it's there's something to be said for giving up a lot of your time and a lot of your emotional energy. To help someone else. And I think children is just one part right. of that. I think you're right. And I also think we can't just automatically think someone's selfish because they're not having kids because none of us have a clue. And if I'm a woman that's miscarried five times, the risk of doing that again is overwhelming. So on the show today, we're talking about how to handle, how to talk, how to relate to uh to parents, to non-parents, people trying to become parents that can't be, we're going to be bringing on an expert called the Savvy Auntie, and she's going to teach us the power that uh, we can play in the lives of children, no matter how these children are in our lives, if we're their aunt, if we're their brother, their sister, or their parents. We'll be talking to her. We're also going to come back with our own Bryce Tobin, who's going to put together a little rant for us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. From up in the sky to inside an MRI, a new superconducting wire can revolutionize air travel and healthcare. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. At NASA's Glenn Research Center, they're developing electric jets of the future. The idea is to use a very efficient turbo generator to power rows of ducted electric fans instead of jets burning kerosene. Electric turbofans could power airliners cleanly and efficiently with almost no noise or pollution. The heart of the generating system? Special wire. High-temperature superconducting wire that can carry incredible amounts of electricity with zero losses and make powerful magnetic fields to drive those future electric aircraft. You know who else needs high-temperature superconducting wire? Makers of MRI scanners for hospitals. 
These machines use powerful magnetic fields to image the body in 3D, but the wires they use need cooling in baths of expensive and rare liquid helium to function. A new magnesium diboride superconductor, partly funded by NASA for the airplane project, works at higher temperatures and doesn't need liquid helium for cooling, making new MRI machines much more affordable for everyone. And that's how solving aerospace problems at NASA leads to healthcare benefit for all of us, connected by the same special wire. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Take a lesson on parenting from world-traveling family coaches Richard and Linda Iyer. The key, I think, is finding the balance between avoiding that overprotectiveness but never, never being, I guess, what we could call an ostrich parent where you got your head in the sand. Ayers on the Road airs weekdays at 6.30 Eastern, only here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking kids and uh, kind of the weird awkwardness that takes place when we judge people based on whether they're having children or not. Uh, Most of us don't have a full picture. And interestingly, ask yourself this. um, When it comes to parenting, so you're a parent, let's say, are you a really good example of somebody that makes parenting look uh, enticing and interesting to every other parent or future potential parent on earth. A lot of us don't parent in a way that it actually looks nice or wonderful. We we seem to kind of make it seem horrible, like ghastly. <laughs> like these kids, I mean, if you've ever been on just an airplane with one person that's five children deep and doesn't know how to handle it, that's enough to maybe make everyone on the plane never want to child. Just be like, I'm good for the next five yeah. years. Eh, whatever. We'll see what I have feel back then. And, and what we need, I think, are a little bit, uh, you know, instead of just being impatient with all these people that supposedly aren't so interested in having kids, maybe we ought to just be really good parents ourselves at first and, uh, and, and understand there's reasons. Everyone has reasons. Some people have bad childhoods. Some people just can't have children. But our own Bryce Tobin has put together, he just has a really interesting question because I guess the inherent question is what about kids? Is it good to have or is having kids good? Is it a good thing? Let's hear. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is right. I'm here to answer the question of whether having children is inherently good or bad. Now, biologically, we're in a pretty good place as a species. There isn't a desperate need for more humans. As long as we all have about one kid at some point in our lives, our population will be just fine. Which is pretty cool because that means having kids is voluntary. As a species, we aren't being coerced by some outside motivation to keep reproducing. And this lack of coercion works really well for the discrepancy I'm about to point out. The discrepancy is that most people will say that having kids is good. But for having kids to be good, not having kids needs to be bad. And that's just not how we treat the situation. So think this out with me. There's four primary scenarios that get their own general reactions out of people. There's the married couple who has kids. This gets a positive reaction. It's run-of-the-mill and boring to talk about, so I won't really devote any more attention to it. Next, there's the married couple that doesn't have kids. While this lifestyle is popularized and put on a pedestal in some cases, it generally gets a negative reaction, with most people wondering why they're delaying having children or accusing them of being selfish and self-centered. Next, there's the unmarried couple 
couple having children. This one's a bit of a mixed bag, but the general reaction is sort of a condescending negative. The logic being, come on, if they're living together, having kids together, sharing bank accounts, they're pretty much married without having any of the legal advantages of being married. Also under this umbrella is the single parent. This reaction seems to be tempered by age, as in, young single parent? Well, clearly they were irresponsible and they're paying the price for their reckless behavior. Compare this to the single parent in their 40s, who is a hero and a saint for sticking to it? I'm sorry, but I already feel the discrepancy beginning to rear its ugly head. And finally, we have the gray area. There's the unmarried person not having kids, which is good? I mean, we don't want to create any more single parents, unless they're 40, because then that makes them a hero. But if they're younger, then no. But it's good for them that they're not having kids, because they're their own person, pursuing their goals and moving forward with their life. So that means kids are goal killers? Nah, they're certainly capable of that, but that doesn't happen in every case. And remember, our assumption is that having kids is inherently good. So by not having kids, this unmarried person is bad? While pursuing their goals and trying to change the world? Do you see what I'm getting at here? It's like this is one big case of having your cake and eating it too. So wait, 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 I have a thought. Why does this matter? I can absolutely understand pressuring someone to have kids when people only lived about 30 to 40 years and the village needed young people or they wouldn't be able to survive the winter. But that isn't our world. If we want to get really technical here, I can go kidless until I'm like 60. And then you know what? I can find some young honey and have about 20 kids before I'm likely to kick the bucket. Not only will I have met my quota for progeny, but I will have put the rest of you to shame. While unlikely, this is a very possible outcome in our world. Women don't have quite the same window of opportunity as me, but it's more or less the same. So I'll answer both of my proposed questions. Your opinion on someone else's childbearing does not in fact matter. And having kids is neither inherently good or bad. It's just a thing some of us do at some point in our lives. That's all. Some people will have kids, some people won't. Some people can't, and looking back, some people shouldn't have in the first place. But the world will not end if we all don't reproduce to maximum capacity. Besides, kids break everything and Xboxes are expensive, so please get off my back about it. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Well, look at you. That's quite the little rant. I tried to be factual. Very factual. So apparently, um, everyone's got a different reason. Sometimes a few reasons. And we still kind of automatically see some people as maybe bad. Or is it just, oh, they're making the wrong choice? Yeah. I don't know about that. No. And, and or, yeah, because it's like they're just being selfish. Yet, again, we don't have all the data. And when you think about it, I can go about 20 years without having kids, and then I can have lots of kids. Well, yeah, I guess you can catch up. You can catch up, yeah. I'm not, I'm, chances of me dying before 40 are pretty low. It really is. It's a really interesting battle as, again, somebody that loves kids and even believes kind of and believes spiritually that it's important for me. Um, I also see that I kind of like that some people are actually making it a choice. I, I get I'm just as afraid of, of a lot of people that don't even think about the idea. And eight kids later, they're in my office with eight kids under 10. Oh, and sorry. you're like, what? You guys, come on. You got to slow down a little bit. That's I'm using my advice from my aunt, my grandma, I mean. Control my yourself. Nana. Control yourself. So we've brought on an expert, and we're going to bring her on after this break. Um, she really uh, is so impressive. Her name's Melanie Notkin, and she – so when Time Magazine came out with this article, uh, having it all without having children, you know, just kind of – talking about it was the whole cover it was about the child-free life and it was kind of glorifying 
the realities of being child-free. You have more money, all this stuff. But um, we, we wanted to take the other side as well and, and, and just get some real-life information from somebody that knows. There's a lot going on uh, when we get into this because just the whole concept of womanhood and modernity um, they brought up in the article, inherently you're going to get into parenting. So a woman should be having children, right? Come on. But if you're a modern woman, you should have a career, and how do you balance and all this stuff? So we're going to talk to uh, our great friend Melanie Notkin, who is the founder of um, Savvy Auntie, a guide for cool aunts, great aunts, godmothers, and all women who love kids. She's going to come in and give us a little... uh, a lot of information, a lot of insight into what's really going on here and uh, what we should probably be focusing on. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Where can they find it? They can find it on Twitter at BYU Radio. Scroll through oh, there, my heavens. I love it. Looking for more BYU Radio? Then follow us on Twitter for behind-the-scenes looks into our studio, updates on our shows, exciting announcements, and constant discussion of Cougar sports. Plus, you can connect with our show hosts and guests. Just follow BYU Radio on Twitter and join the conversation. Talk about good. On Talkworthy, host Kim Power Stilson chats with experts about topics of interest. And it seems like everyone learns something new. Yeah, and I think that was interesting, too, because there are some there were some courses in Scotland when I visited that did not allow women golfers, but not no longer. Really? Yeah. See, I came down to the show to learn more about it than you did. (laughs) Talk Worthy airs weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Talk about good. If it's worth talking about, you can bet Kim Power Stilson will cover it. She chats with new guests each week about a wide variety of topics. Catch Talkworthy right here on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Richard and Linda Iyer. Hello, listeners. Have a unique perspective on life. I was going to do this show from underwater. But when it comes to parenting, they always know just what to say. And after writing over 20 books on the subject, they are more passionate than ever about helping people raise happy families. It kind of makes your whole life more vibrant. Join Richard and Linda for Iyer's on the Road weekdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. U.S. sales of previously occupied homes are approaching a healthy level for the first time since 2009. Sales surged last month to a seasonally adjusted rate of 5.39 million. The National Association of Realtors says that sales are more than 17 percent higher than they were 12 months ago. The company that administers the ACT test says nearly a third of this year's high school graduates who took the test are not prepared for college-level writing, biology, algebra, or social science classes. The company says that just a quarter of the graduates cleared the bar. The numbers are far worse in lower-income high schools. 
Students at an Atlanta-area elementary school are attending classes today at a nearby high school. They were evacuated yesterday from their elementary school because of gunfire at the school. Police say a man armed with an assault rifle and other weapons was able to slip into the school and then held two staff members captive in the office. The man shot at responding officers at least a half a dozen times. They returned fire, and eventually the man surrendered. No one was injured. In world news, two Syrian pro-opposition groups say that dozens of people have been killed today in a poisonous gas attack near the capital of Damascus. The reports have not been confirmed, but groups say that activists are reporting that this happened from several different locations. Officials say an Egyptian court has ordered the release of ex-president Hosni Mubarak, but it's not clear whether prosecutors will appeal the order. The decision comes in a hearing on charges against Mubarak of accepting gifts from a state-owned newspaper. It's the last case that has kept him in prison. Mubarak is now on trial for the killing of protesters during the 2011 uprising against him and other charges of violence as well. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about uh, child's play, children, the childless parent, right? Um, Some of the weird judgments we we instinctively make about people. And maybe this weird battle that's going on that might, where we've drawn the lines, you're either good or bad. If you're having kids, you're good. If you're not, you're bad. It's just an interesting battle. Um, so we wanted an expert to come on and help us kind of work our way through this. And we found we found Melanie Notkin, uh, who is really a leading voice of nearly 50% of American women who are childless. Um, she's the founder of a website called Savvy Auntie. And uh, you you really need to go check out her website. She's written a book called Savvy Auntie, The Ultimate Guide for Cool Ants, Great Ants, Godmothers, and All Women Who Loved Kids. Savvy Auntie, by the way, is ranked among the Forbes Top 100 Websites for Women, Top uh, 100 Most Powerful Women on Twitter, that's Melanie Notkin, and uh, is the Top 10 Women in Social Media. So, Melanie, are you there? I am here. Thank thanks. you so much for having me on. Well, thanks for being on because it just it's such a weird little thing that we this pressure that we put and then the arguments pro child, anti child, mm-hmm. better lives with them, better lives without them. In in all your studies and I know you've written some great articles. In fact, you even kind of I guess wrote a little bit of a rebuttal to Time article. Um mm-hmm. and so tell us what you're learning. Well, you know, first of all, it's not about judgment, right? Nobody should judge anybody for having kids, not having kids, choosing to have kids, not choosing to have kids. Uh, You know, unless the children's welfare is at risk, Mm -hmm. um, really anybody who wants to have a child should have a child, or if they don't want to have children, should not have children. Right. What What I look at is this idea, this notion that, all childless women or most childless women don't want children. And that's a fallacy. Right. And my issue with the cover story, the time cover story, the child-free life, um, 
helps to, to perpetuate this myth that women who are childless want to be childless. First of all, there are many shades of gray. So a girl who's 18 is happy to be childless, probably. Yeah, right. Right? And a woman who is 50 who doesn't have children may not want to start at 50. Yeah, let's not go there, and, right? Right. So, so we have this, this, these, this time right, where, where society thinks it's quote-unquote normal for, for a woman to have children. Somewhere, let's say, in her early 20s, maybe, depending on what part of the United States you live in, right? right? Maybe New York gets a little older. Yeah. And, and in Utah, West, it's, it's younger. younger. Yeah. Um, and then a certain point where it becomes unnatural for her to begin to have children. Yeah, right? now it's Somewhere dangerous. Maybe in her, yes, so late 30s, 40s, etc. Mm-hmm. And so there's this little window of time, about 15 years, where either she's having children or she's wrong for, having, for not having children. And, and none of us even know, do we? But all we need right. to know is, okay, you're how old? You're, you don't have kids? Oh, 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 okay. And, and what we forget is the fact that most women prefer to be in a relationship yeah. before they have children. They want to have a child with the man or, yeah. depending on one's, one's uh, life, with a woman, with a partner, right. that they want to have children. Whatever the case is, right? We want to have a partner. Now, um, many single women, especially those single women who are four-year college educated tend specifically not to want to have a child before marriage. Now, we know that there are, there are statistics that many girls who are in their, who are, um, in their 20s and single mothers um, generally are not um, are just high school graduates or are not even high school graduates. Not, not to say all of them, and it's certainly not a judgment. Right. So that's just the data. So it's, that's actually interesting because the if they're educated yeah. – um, they're they're probably more prone to go to career, right? Yes. The, the difference is that it's not our career. That's the other myth, mm-hmm. is that we're called career women. Right. Well, there are no career men. Yeah. <laughs> women who do their civic duty, you know, to pay the rent, yep. to, to give to charity, to contribute to society, who have a job who are childless are called career women as if it were a choice. <laughs> yeah. As if paying the rent were a choice. Versus the men that are just people. doing their, they're just being a man, doing their job. Yeah, we're, 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 right, exactly. Like we've made a choice. Now the career woman idea came out of, you know, the 60s, maybe early 70s, where it was much more rare for a woman to have a job, certainly a job beyond, you know, the four main jobs of, of teacher, nurse, right. secretary, right? Mm-hmm. So if she was a, an attorney, a doctor, even if she, you know, she was the madman era, you know, they were considered career women. But a lot of those women ended up marrying and having children maybe a couple of years later. And by the way, this whole idea of having it all is the title of a book by Helen Gurley Brown, yeah. who married um, at age 37. And she wrote that book in the 80s, and it was to say, you know what? You don't have to get married at 22. Enjoy your 20s a little bit more. And she focused more on have, get married have babies in your 30s. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, somehow, in 2013, a woman who 
who who goes to school, which she's you know encouraged to do right. since the day she's born, gets a college degree. Yes, gets a job. Sometimes those jobs are more demanding than others, but yeah. she gets a job. Not always conducive to date li- dating life. Not always conducive to healthy social life, even. No, but but one that she has to do. Right. right? She would much prefer to go out on a date, but alas, and here's the other side of the coin. The woman who has children has to run home because she has dinner with her children. Yeah. So this woman is at work because she is doing the work that the mom can't. So we're all contributing to family in one way or another, right. just directly or indirectly. I don't know one woman who has ever said, I am madly in love with you. Yes, I want to marry you. But hey, I got a conference call tomorrow at about six. Can't marry you. Right. That's not the way we are. We want to be in love with the right partner, and most want to be married. Most say a a cohabitated union is good enough, and have a baby with that man. In fact, studies show, study out of the Boston School of Economics, that women who are age 35 plus, who marry for the first time, actually have healthier, longer marriages. Really? And I heard you say earlier about catching up. Yeah. In fact, a woman who has her first birth at age 35 plus actually has more babies than the average woman. Really? Well, you know, I mean, she's all, I mean, think of that, though. It's, it seems like, in a way, it's, her, she's, it's this choice in this almost ideal timing of her life. She's got some career. She's got her life. She's found the right partner. They're married, and it's, it's almost... It's idyllic. It's idyllic. The problem is, right, that she's got this short window of time, and yeah. not all of us find that right man in our 30s right. or our early 30s when it's, you know, already we're feeling the pressure. And some of us who reach 40 who remain childless and single or finally find that love, that right love, um, then it may have a problem with conception. Yeah. And so to say that we are, and I've been called myself child-free, mm. and I take exception to that because I'm not free of children. A, my life is child-full, as yeah. I say. I choose to fill my life, a savvy auntie, with the children in my life, my nieces and nephews. That is a choice. The choice wasn't to remain childless. The choice was to wait for love. Unfortunately, that's the one thing, no matter how great we are at our career, how great an aunt we are, how great a friend we are, a daughter, a sister, the one thing we cannot control is falling in love. Right. And we don't do our best. Well, and, and falling in love and then having the skills and the actual person that can help you maintain a love and retain a love with the maturity that's needed. And I mean, you think about it, this isn't this isn't an easy task. You're you're trying to find the right person with the right skill sets. And you've just explained beautifully with the right timing, with the right understanding. And it all has to converge. Now, some of us, you know, find someone in high school and marry them young and lucky and you figure it out and it, and it works, but it's you're, you're saying, I mean, you're going with the normal statistics of today now that people are marrying later, more are going to work, more are going to school, more are getting educated. The game's more complicated. So to just it's assume someone's going to have a baby, come on. 
Right. And, but most women do want children. doesn't mean that all right. women want children, and it doesn't mean that the women who don't want children are wrong for not wanting children. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, when, yeah, exactly. When Thank a woman you. hit between the ages of 40 and 44, and the U.S. fertility rates and the CDC only look at fertility in America through age 44. So we actually don't know. The, the statistics aren't actual because we actually don't know women 45 plus. But women 40 to 44, half, are child-free by choice, half are child childless by circumstance like me mm-hmm. or biology. Now, of those people, the 50% um, who are child-free by choice may be child-free by choice at 42, but they weren't at 32. But they may not want to become mothers at 42. Yeah. Or they may not want to have the money or be able to or want to invest in the technology it may take to get pregnant and have a child at 42 or have gone through several iterations yeah. of, um, of IVF, et cetera, and don't want to do it again, don't want to miscarry again and say, I am decided I am not going to have children. Or have a partner that doesn't. I mean, that, so That's it's doubly correct. hard, right? Because so now we have two opinions about each of those circumstances. We, um, I want to take a break. We're talking to Melanie Notkin um, from the website SavvyAnti.com. You really, you need to go check out this website. If you, if you just want to see the power that people can have in um, the life of a child, there's nothing more powerful when you look at this website than really good ants and really good godmothers and and just i don't see how it could do us any harm to just love our kids we're going to take a break and come back and the more people we can get loving our kids the better melanie notkin will be back with us from savvy ante this is the matt townsend show you're listening to us on sirius xm 143 byu radio a silicon chip that outshines most solar panels shows the power of solar electricity magnified 900 times This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. NASA's Glenn Research Center tests and develops space systems that can work for us on Earth. Case in point, an unusual configuration of all-in-one solar energy collector is installed on Glenn's campus, designed by a retired NASA Glenn engineer. His design, called the Star Gen Concentrator, was built by Greenfield Solar Incorporated. It looks like an art sculpture or a high-tech flower with bands of curved mirror strips set in a frame that tracks the sun daily. The strategy behind the star gin is that instead of spreading a lot of silicon wafers across a wide area to collect electricity, use a small solar cell but concentrate the sunlight on it like a magnifying glass. The star gin gains great efficiency, multiplying the power of the sun by 900 times. Focusing that much energy into a smaller cell generates high-voltage electricity as well as extra heat. This heat can then be piped into a hot water system or a home heating system. Glenn Research Center tested the cell in development, blasting it with up to 2,500 times the power of our sun. And the solar gin holds up. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Get recharged at BYU Education Week. It is the best decision I make coming back year after year. I will not be the same. Education Week classes run from August 19th to the 23rd. To register, visit us online at educationweek.byu.edu. 
I would encourage everybody to come, and you'll not regret it. BYU Education Week, a thousand ways to renew, refresh, recharge. Welcome back, friends. We uh, Today we're talking about moms, aunts, um, children, and some of the weird stresses and pressures that we end up putting on each other when we make assumptions about people, judgments about people. I mean, everybody gets to the stage of love and marriage and a healthy, strong partnership with somebody and then the decision to make a child. And it's a very, very personal decision. Um, it's And it's so personal that, in a way, I, what I love about our guest today is I think she's helping us to, to make sure that we, we understand the complexity of it. Just because somebody isn't having a child, a woman isn't having a child, doesn't mean she doesn't like children. <laughs> doesn't mean she doesn't want children. Doesn't I mean, sometimes it's just flat-out timing. And sometimes it's we're waiting for the partner, we're waiting for the love, or sometimes we've lost a partner, or we've lost a love, or we've we we've miscarried infertility issues. So our guest today is Melanie Notkin. She is the leading voice of nearly fifty percent of American women who are childless. So the idea that if you're not out there having kids, you just probably don't care. It doesn't pull uh, weight or hold water. If 50% of American women are childless, she's the founder of the website SavvyAuntie.com and the author of Savvy Auntie, The Ultimate Guide for Cool Ants, Great Ants, Godmothers, and All Women Who Love Kids. Savvy Auntie is ranked among Forbes' top 100 websites for women, and Melanie is one of the top 100 most powerful women on Twitter and is a top 10 woman in social media. Melanie, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks so so much for having me again. You bet. And um, really, you, she's got so much great stuff on her website. I, I really uh, I love it. I appreciate it. And I'm not one that would just normally go read the, the website Savvy Aunties. But, mm. but honestly, um, you can tell she has a passion about it. Keep talking to us a little bit, um, Melanie, about the, the infertility. I've had clients mm-hmm. that honestly have spent, I don't know, 40, $45,000 trying to have children and mm-hmm. the pressure they feel to and the timing of trying to have these kids and knowing that, you know, the implantation at this stage is going to be this much money and you're only got two eggs left. And if these don't work, then we're going to have to go harvest more. And that's another ten or 15,000. Talk, talk about that and, and kind of the stresses that that must that that puts on a woman. Well, of course. Um, and, and it doesn't just start when she's, when she finally finds a partner or as some women do in their early, um, late, late thirties, early forties decide to, um, try to have a baby on their own. If they've hit that window of, of possible, um, you know, the, the end of their fertility. So yeah, it's very expensive, but even in their twenties, women are beginning to invest in egg freezing because mm. they see their older sisters, the women in their 30s and early 40s and 40s, 50s, who were not able to have children because by the time they found that right man um, in their life, they um, were at the end of their, their biological fertility. And that in New York City can cost $12,000 to freeze your eggs, and then you're paying, by the way, every month to store those eggs. Rent, yeah, yeah, you're paying a, a rent, rent, yeah. rent on those eggs. 
Yeah. And so, you know, and yet we're not supposed to have jobs. Right. And right. Yet, you know, we're, we're vilified for being, quote unquote, career women. And, and yet and you're yet freezing your eggs for, for the hope of having a child someday. But you guys exactly. don't like women. I mean, you don't like children. Right. Well, exactly. Right. Ugh. So here we are investing so much um, in in our ability, in our fertility and in keeping healthy and keeping in shape and doing all of these um, extraordinary things to stay as fertile as we can as long as we can. And yet, a woman is not allowed to talk about that because then she seems desperate, right? I mean, a woman is not allowed to be on a date, even if it's a third date, and talk about the fact that she wants to be a mother one day because, well, then she's desperate. Right. Um, And so there's a lot of pressure, a lot of mixed messages on women um, to not necessarily to have it all, but to be it all at all times. Plus, it just seems like the inner heart, your inner heart... Is is has this ticking tick tick of these dreams, maybe these desires to be to have a child and to mm-hmm. I mean, so there's that going on. And you're saying to not being able to actually voice it because culture doesn't, you know, respect it because your dates might be afraid of it. It's got to be a very lonely feeling. Oh, I appreciate that you said that. It can be very lonely. It's what I call, you know, or what psychologists call disenfranchised grief. Mm. What I call circumstantial infertility. And that is the grief a woman feels in her 30s and 40s before she knows the window of her fertility has closed completely, but is on its way there. Mm. And not only the window of her fertility, but of her heart, of her dreams of being a mother in her 20s. Yeah, and her grandma, I mean, she's had these dreams probably since she was three, four, five, six, being a mom. I bought a baby name book when I was 12. I had all the names, (laughs) you know, written. I was set. Yeah. And many women are. Not all women, and it's okay if you're not like that. It's not a judgment call. But for the women who are like that, who want to meet the right guy, Right before they have these children, because they don't want to settle. For, for then, and no man deserves to be married if he's not if she doesn't love him. Yeah. Right. So we're all in this together. So she's so you know she, but she is reminded constantly. You better hurry up. Yeah. Time's ticking. Grandmas just keep somebody. bringing it up. You're oh, it's too bad. Enough. You're not like Stacy, your sister. Exactly. As if she doesn't have her own biological clock that reminds her on a monthly basis. Right. Yeah. What's going on? She is more aware of her biology than anybody else. Oh, that that's yet, true. She is constantly reminded that she's not doing enough. And then she's got this list of all the things she's doing wrong. She's too picky. Well, of course she's picky. <laughs> this is marriage. Yeah. It's not what she wants on her hamburger. <laughs> She's not ordering a hamburger or a salad. She's she's picking she's trying to find a partner. Well, maybe you just what you need is just just pick anyone. Sure, pick anyone to mate with and that's right. And raise your child. We're also also making the assumption that her heart was never broken. Right. That she doesn't have a history. Right. That there was no guy she wanted to marry and would have married and wanted to have children with. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't necessarily at the right time, at the right place, or maybe he didn't love her the way she loved him. And so there was a lot of pressure, and the disenfranchised grief comes when, you know, on a monthly basis, essentially there is a death. That's why there's blood. Yeah. There is a death, and she grieves that. And yet, be- 
because she is single, I'm speaking of the single childless women now, she is not allowed to be sad. Only when one is in a couple and trying and investing $45,000 in um, <laughs> fertility treatments are you allowed to be sad. Otherwise, it's your fault. Uh. And even, of course, those who are struggling with, with um with fertility issues and are investing the money as a couple are told, well, you should just adopt. Now, adoption can cost tens of thousands Absolutely. of dollars, too. And, and pain and time and, and complication. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing is, is it, it's, it's weird because we, um, we, we kind of assume this is going to be normal for everyone. Everyone's just going to find their love. Hello. You're just going to start having kids. Hello. You'll probably have them in your 20s. But... The reality of our existence is it's not that way, and yet we we you're still judged accordingly. You're still judged as if like what is your deal? In fact, we have a card game called Old Maid. Mm-hmm, it's right. like, and that's this looming concept. Oh, you're a spinster, right? I mean, it's and pressure. We're now a career woman. That's sort of the modern. Yeah, now that's college. kind of the as if as if again. You've given up. Yeah, I'd rather have my career, which some do, but I'd rather have my career than this opportunity. And you're saying that's not always the choice. That really wasn't the choice I in mean, a lot of the, cases. I think half. What was the this like half of American mothers work? Right. Like having paying the rent has never stopped anybody from having children. In fact, almost the opposite. Not being able to pay the rent is what stops people from mm-hmm. having children. So um, a career is not really what's in our way. And, of right. course, there are women who, who don't want to have children for their career for because they just don't want it. Whatever the right. reason, it doesn't matter. But, but to say that it is a, a growing trend lifestyle that childless women or men are choosing is a fallacy that, yes, some are, but most of us want to have children. And, in fact... Um, the idea that we are, you know, sort of heartless, cold women, or almost worse, that because we don't, we've never conceived a child and or had a child come out of our womb, yeah. that we don't know how to be maternal. Yeah, you, you don't I understand is, kids. Right. What <laughs> I say is, babies are born from the womb, but maternity is born from the soul. And there are many ways to mother. Yeah. And that's where Savvy Auntie came. Because there is this growing trend of women to have children later. The truth is, most women have, as many women have as many children today as they did um, 35 years ago. The difference is we're having them later. Hmm. And um, yes, it's true that many of us, by circumstance, um, and ending because it's toward the end of our fertility um, by biology, end up not having um, children by the end of our fertility. But often enough, it's not by by choice. Yeah. And so, um, as we spend a longer life lifespan being childless, even if it is by choice, we still love the children in our life. And that's what I love about SavvyAnti.com because. And we're going to come back and talk about this. I want you to show us, like, what what are the roles that you're taking, and um, how can these these people that are been silently struggling without a child, uh, what are some things that they could still be exercising this love and this maternal instinct? Um, we're going to get into that. Uh, this is the Matt Townsend Show. 
right here on BYU Radio. KBYU FM, HD2 Provo. Good afternoon, I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio News. A military judge has sentenced Army Private Bradley Manning to 35 years in prison for giving military and diplomatic information to the website WikiLeaks. He was sentenced earlier today at Fort Meade. The judge convicted him last month of 20 offenses, and people were saying that he could serve up to 90 years in prison. The prosecutors had asked for at least 60 years behind bars, and Manning's lawyers suggested no more than 25 because some of the documents would have been declassified by then. The judge settled on 35 years. And Vice President Joe Biden says that his son, Delaware Attorney General Bo Biden, has a successful medical procedure in Texas earlier this week. The younger Biden was being evaluated at a cancer center after he became weak and disoriented while on a vacation. The vice president says his son will be discharged from the hospital tomorrow and will return to Delaware where his local doctors will follow up. The company that administers the ACT test says nearly a third of this year's high school graduate graduates who took the test definitely are not prepared for college-level writing, biology, algebra, or social science classes. The company says that just a quarter of the graduates cleared the bar in English. The numbers are worse for lower-income high schools. In world news, Egyptians deposed leader Hosni Mubarak has been ordered released from prison, but the country's prime minister says that he'll be put under house arrest as part of the emergency measures put in place this month. Prison officials say that Mubarak may be released as early as tomorrow. He has spent more than two years in prison. And Syrian opposition activists estimate that 1,300 people, including children, died from what they say is a toxic gas attack from the Syrian regime. The reports have not been independently confirmed, but groups continue to send in reports that this is happening. And that's the news. I'm Katie Jarvis with BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We're doing what we can in our program to give you some tools, some insight, some of the great experts that exist in our country to uh, to give us some guidance in how to live our lives. It's interesting, you know, here we are, and most of us didn't have a handbook for how to deal with our lives. We're just trying to figure it out one day at a time. So what we try to do on this program is give you Really, in good insight and the experts who can help us. Today we're talking about um, childless people and for whatever reason. And, and actually, I love our guest's take on this. She actually doesn't even use the word, child, word childless. She uses the word childful. Just because you don't have uh, your own children for whatever reason doesn't mean you don't love kids. It doesn't mean you didn't want kids. doesn't mean you only care about your income and your job. Um, it, it can mean that, you know, things didn't work out. Timing wasn't there. Um, you didn't have the partner you wanted or the right partner that, that could be there for you. And so we're talking today with Melanie Notkin, the leading voice of nearly 50% of American women who are childless. She founded her own website 
called SavvyAuntie.com. She's the author of the of the book Savvy Auntie, the ultimate guide for cool ants, great ants, godmothers, and all women who love kids. She is um, a very well-respected expert in social media. She's been identified as one of the top 10 women in social media. Her uh, also has been identified as one of the top most 100 most powerful women on Twitter. She's also a toy expert, which is interesting. She serves on the Toy Industry Association Toy of the Year nomination committee and is a former contributing editor to Toy Wishes magazine, which, by the way, if if, uh, Melanie was your aunt and she's a toy expert, I'm telling you, this is a good life for your nieces and nephews. Melanie, thanks for being on the program. Thanks so much for having me. And again, they can find you pretty much if you just look up Savvy Auntie, you'll find it on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on you'll find it everywhere. Or just go to MelanieNotkin.com. Uh, Melanie, I really am so impressed with what you're doing because... Again, there's just this weird kind of judgment. And, and I think the weird thing about the judgment is it comes from both sides in a way, from the, the people that are so, you know, you need to be having babies and making them as soon as you can, to the other side of, you know, if you really cared about moving the women movement forward, you wouldn't, you'd just go get a job and change the world. And you're saying, you know what, it's personal and everyone's on their own path on this. And just because I don't have kids doesn't mean... I don't want them. That, that's right. And, and, you know, very few women, not to say that there aren't, but very few women um, are not becoming mothers because of, you know, the, the feminist movement right. of the, the 1970s. In fact, Betty Friedan, um, who wrote The Feminine Mystique, you know, tried to make it clear again and again that she loved her husband and she loved her children. <laughs> it was that she wanted something more than housewifery. Right. So we wanted more opportunity. Um, and, you know, it was not this more opportunity we expected to take away from marriage and children. You know, we thought my generation, I'm Generation X, we thought we'd have the social, economic, and political equality our mothers didn't have. But naturally, the husband and kids, they did. We didn't know um, as time went on that, unfortunately, we may not. Um, have the opportunity to find love and have children. Um, and not because we didn't want it, and certainly not because we didn't expect it. But in the meantime, yeah. many of us are savvy aunties. In fact, um, I released a joint national study with Weber Shanwick and KRC Research back in December on the demographic that I uncovered. I dubbed Pank Professional Ant No Kids. Hmm. And when we looked at this demographic and we identified this pank, this woman as age 18 plus, who says that she is a child in her life with, a spe- with whom she has a special bond. So a niece or nephew by relation, a young cousin by relation, or by choice, their best friend's child, etc. Right. So there are 23 million panks in America. Holy that cow. One in five American women. And that's not just through age 44, like the fertility statistics, that's through any age. However, she is younger than mom on average, age 36 versus age 46. Right. And she, um, you mentioned the toys before, on average, each pank spends per child in her life per year $387. Holy cow. And Uh, 76% of them, so more than three-quarters of them, spend over 
$500 on each child each year. Yeah. Now, before um, some of your listeners say, oh, yeah, because I love to spoil them and, you know, give them the gifts and make a mess and then leave. Well, not really. Actually, 34% of PANKs contribute to a child's education. Man. And almost 7 out of 10 say that they were a role model. But I thought you hated kids, you guys. Right? See? That's that's the irony. What a joke. The biggest irony is this. Right, that parenthood is is a legal obligation. Mm-hmm. Right, you can't have this child and then leave it on a doorstep. You you have to take care of your child. The difference is with parenthood is I don't have to do any of it. You're choosing everything it. we do is a gift, and yet we are the unsung heroes. We are Absolutely. not appreciated. I had a pank in my life, Melanie. My mom's sister, Marjane, was her name. Uh, was never married. She was there. She took, she was, she was always there. She was always there. I always got a Christmas present from her. I always got a birthday present from her for literally her entire life. She was kind of a second, second mom, almost a second grandma to us, changed our lives. She actually just passed away a few months ago and you don't really quite know how big of a role these people play until you actually add up the time, the games she was there. I mean, it's – you know what else is really powerful that I saw with my um, my aunt is she relieved my mom, which gave – because my parents divorced. So mm-hmm. she relieved my mom and gave my mom some space to get healthy and, and find some hope and energy in her life while meanwhile – bonding and loving us. So in a weird way, it's um, what on earth is the harm of all of this love on these kids? It can only be good. It can only be good. Exactly. And unfortunately, though, um, you know, we and I know that there are some some dads who feel the same way about the way dads are depicted on television yeah. and in commercials, morons, and, you know, really just dumb. And right. You don't know how to hold it. Well, you know, childless women are depicted the same way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet we are, I think we're uber maternal. Totally. Because, again, this is a choice. Whatever your aunt did for you and did for your mother was a gift. Yep. She had no obligation to do it. Yeah, she didn't. She wasn't and, legally obligated. She wasn't nope. told by everyone else to do it. She just, that's what's neat. You just knew she loved you. And 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 that, that special feeling, you know, an aunt is kind of magical, right? Because a child knows she doesn't have to do it. Right. And so every moment she spends with that child is a whole new world. Yeah. A whole new way of looking at life. And children from this young age begin to wonder about their aunt's life and what does her life look like when she's not with them. Mm-hmm. And um, and often enough, um, she's able to provide a different um, a different skill or talent or influence on those children. So if she's artistic, perhaps she inspires the, an, art, an artistic artistic child. Um, if if she is. Um, I, one who can listen and and help and give advice. Perhaps she's what I call the confid aunt, mm. 
right? She's the one who is there when a, when a child, even a grown child, doesn't feel like they can come to um, a parent for whatever reason. Now, so your listeners are clear. I do not advocate that, a, that an aunt make a decision that a parent should make. Right. Stay out and if God of that. Forbid, a child's life is, is in danger, yeah. their well-being is in danger, the, the, the aunt has to act on that. Um, but thank God the child has somebody to go to when they're afraid to go to their parent. And, the, and I created a day, like Mother's Day, it's called Auntie's Day, hmm. and it's the fourth Sunday of July. One just passed, the fifth annual just passed, the sixth annual will be July 27. And on that day, I want every parent to remember that the aunt in that child's life, whether it's the, their sibling, their cousin, their neighbor, their best friend, whomever it is, who does anything for that child, does anything for the parent. Because many of these aunts, by the way, the Panks contribute, about 43% contribute to, or 45%, it's a number, I'm sorry, I don't know exactly, I forget, contribute to the parents. They give the parents money. Oh, man. The parents can do something for the child. So thank her, appreciate her, acknowledge her, realize that, like you said, I say child full, that she chooses to love your children. Let me ask you, because it seems like, um, you know, I think everyone tries to throw all of these loving women the aunts, the neighbors, the cousins, the friends, all of these influential women, um, we try to throw them in on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. You know, the great general celebration of womanhood. Um, but in, in a way, there's something really special to also setting it aside as something distinct from mother even. I mean, you're mm-hmm. still motherly, and you're still uh, obviously loving and caring, Um but it's it's something I, I like having an aunt day. I, I I would love that we had uncle days too. You know, I I, I, I agree. It, I agree. I haven't I haven't focused on uncles just yet. Yeah, I agree. Look, but the thing is, I I think moms deserve their day. Yeah, I they don't do. Want to take away no, they from, do. I don't want to take away from her spotlight. But right? it seems like, like we have her, we've mastered that one. It seems like right. It's what uh, we want to do is there's Mother's Day, then there's Father's Day, and then in June, July, let's just take a moment. And by the way, not all ants live next door. You may not be able to take her out for brunch or bring her a bouquet of flowers. Right. But you can certainly call her and just say thank you. I acknowledge. Now, we have, I have pictures of one ant, the family, drew a parade and had a banner, Happy Auntie's Day. <laughs> I mean, the things that, these, that, that the families have done, so many do appreciate her. That's but powerful. But I see it as my mission to make sure that everybody appreciates her and that more importantly she appreciate herself and realize what she's doing for these children and by the way not only for the children and not only for the parents of the children she loves but like i mentioned earlier in on this um on the show that she's also there when a mom or dad has to leave early to take care of the kids on maternity leave she is sacrificing something in her life Somehow it becomes an obligation. Well, you don't have kids. You should work on Christmas. Why should I? Yeah. Well, you know, so let's remember that she is a human, that she is a person, that she is a heart. And it's not necessarily by choice that her circumstance is as it is. You know, have you, have, have you ever heard Col- uh, Colin Powell speak um, sure. about his aunts? No. You know what? A beautiful thing. So I heard him speaking once. Um, 
I think you grew up uh, in some neighborhood in New York or Chicago, a big city like the Bronx or somewhere where. Yes, New York, the Bronx. Was it the Bronx? And um, he says he would. So, you know, he'd leave his house and I think his mom may have even had to work or something. So he would leave. And but he said he said, I had an aunt literally in every building in the Mm -hmm. Bronx. So he said, Mm -hmm. I couldn't get in trouble because my these women would talk. And um, he said, so how, how did this guy in the Bronx turn out so good with uh, a mom that had to, to work and had a, uh, had a harder life? Um, he says, because had, we had this network, and my mom had a network of women. Um, and he, I think he called them all aunts, and I think a lot of them were. And he says, there's no getting in trouble when you got 20 eyes looking at you. It was, the, it was just really powerful to sit there and think, there's the culmination of the network. And, and again, in, in, in a way, no wonder uh, moms tend to be so socially networked um, because yes. it just it, it pays off to have 20 eyes looking at your children. And again, I, there's not a harm to it. And yet, and yet we almost kind of undermine the great um, heart of these women when we look at them and we only judge them by, you don't have a child? Or we say to them, you'll never really know love oh, until you have a child. That's got to just... We, you, you can't measure love. Right. You can't. And we don't know the love that a woman has for all the children in her life, nor does it matter, because we are not in competition. The important thing is, is that we raise these children together as a nation, as a community, that these children know that they are loved and they are safe, and that we respect each other, that we'd stop judging each other, and that we live together um, really, you know, as a family. Yeah. And it seems like love, like you're saying, is created. Um, it's not just in – it doesn't seem like it's just inherently born in the blood. It seems like it's, it's born in the moments of worrying about it and, and talking and calling and being there and paying a few bills here and there and picking up the slack and being there early to drop off your niece. I mean, mm-hmm. love is born in the, in the service, not just in the DNA. That, that's right. You, just birthing a child um, does not um, make you the only one who can love a child. Mm. And in fact, unfortunately, we know some mothers who've, who've given birth to children and not, they don't have the mental capacity right. um, or emotional capacity for love. So um, we, we would all do, we would all fare better if we didn't measure love, but rather just appreciated the love that we have. Oh, um. What's you got about one minute, okay? Tell me what's the one thing, just not measuring love and just appreciating the love we've got, seeing it and, and, and even celebrating it, like with Auntie Day in July. What, what's the one message you'd love every, every one of us out there who, um, who don't quite understand why some of you don't have children? But mm. what do you want us to understand? It's not. A, you don't have to understand it. You just have to not judge it. Just. It's not about understanding. It. It doesn't matter. It's none of anybody's business why no. one has children or why doesn't. Right. One why doesn't. But just don't judge it, and appreciate all the things that that woman or man does. 
for the children in your life, for the children in their life, and just in your life in general. Mm. Let's just not judge each other. Yeah. And understanding implies that there's an issue that I have to get over. You don't right. Have to get over it. Yeah, no. Well, and invite them in, it seems like, too. Invite yeah, these people please. in and let them use those gifts, those wonderful gifts that they possess to help influence our children. Melanie Notkin, you are the bomb. SavvyAnti.com. Go check her out there. Really great stuff. Again, you, I think you can see why she's one of the top 10 uh, women in social media. And probably more importantly, probably one of the top 10 women in changing uh, how, we, uh, how we take care of each other on this earth. Appreciate it. Melanie Notkin, this is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break, come back, and uh, give you some more tools to uh, deal with life. Appreciate you listening. This is BYU Radio. There's no telling where NASA technology will turn up. How about in your health drink? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Mike Johnson is a former NASA scientist who worked on water recycling designs for long-term spaceflight. He had no idea that the bacterial research he was doing would eventually lead him to bottling around 5 million bottles a year of his own health drink. Johnson's original research involved creating a bioreactor, a device for growing controlled batches of biological substances like bacteria or yeast. But in Mike's next career as a healthcare practitioner, he found a market for a soft drink that was a healthy alternative to soda. So he cooked one up using a bioreactor and a culture of probiotics to brew a tea called kumbacha. Mike's early efforts were made using 55-gallon oak barrels and hand-bottling the product in old beer bottles. But patients and friends who tried the tea loved the taste and enjoyed healthier digestive systems and reduced joint pain. The product got so popular, Johnson is now making it in huge bioreactors for the Whole Foods grocery chain. Next time you try a bottle of unpeeled brand kumbacha tea, you're also drinking a little NASA know-how. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Listen to Notes from the Kennedy Center for insights from scholars, diplomats, and world leaders. I found that if we get together, if we share our strengths, if we pool our knowledge, if we get a very clear, simple focus and try to do something quite simple, that even those few simple actions which seem so little can have an extraordinary impact. Weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We, uh, we've been talking about childless, and I really loved Melanie's words, childful. Uh, again, most people uh, want to have kids. Most women, according to her statistics, really do want children. It's just you got to get everything lined up, and getting it all lined up doesn't always work. I appreciate that. I also appreciate the power that uh, we can all have in the lives of our our own nieces, our own nephews. And again, this just because we're talking about women and aunts doesn't mean uncles can't step in as well and play a major role in that. So let's go to our own Colonel Rob Sanders. Yeah, because what about the children? What about the children? The war on children in the news. 
As a kid, it all starts when your parents want to take you out to dinner. Restaurants don't want you there. Yeah, so this war on children starts at a family-friendly restaurant in Houston that now bans children after 7 p.m. Kids have to eat after 7 p.m. War on children! Practically around the corner, also in Texas, another store has a sign that clearly says, No children, please. In fact, one children's patriot mother says she was outraged when the store kicked her and her kids out for no good reason other than the fact that a previous parent had a child in there that broke a lot of expensive stuff and then the parent left without paying. War on children! And it's overseas, too. A big airline in Singapore now is banning children from part of its economy section called the Scoot in Silence section. Just because a few business travelers happen to have a migraine from that big business meeting and don't want to hear crying, now the kids are being pushed to the back of the plane. War on children! Even the business magazines are against kids, one arguing that kids shouldn't be paid an allowance. Or Time magazine arguing that children might not bring happiness, but might actually bring misery. Since when have kids ever caused misery? War on children! One of the most chilling of all from NBC, a blogger arguing that it is okay for parents to go on vacation without their kids. What? I used to be a kid and I would have hated that. Hey, Mom and Dad, where are we going? Where are we going? I'm sorry, son. We're not taking you with us. What? Where are you going? Well, you're going to stay here with your aunt and your mother and I. We're going to go back to Disneyland to relive our honeymoon. What? War on children! Even our beloved fast food chains, which are so kid-friendly, are turning against kids. Taco Bell saying it's the first national fast food chain to drop its kids' meals. Which they say is for profitability reasons, but we'll put that aside. War on children! I mean, think of the domino effect that could have if, say, other fast food chains cut out their kids' meals. <gasps> or their play areas! Even Mother Nature, those against the kids. A wildfire destroyed a cabin in New York State at a kid's summer camp. And one school bus driver... Didn't even take the kids home from school. He dropped them off at the park. Of course, the school district did fire him, but still, war on children! And the few kids that do make it home, one school district is subjecting them to psychological torture, making them listen to elevator music to calm them down on the way home. In fact, they even go so far as to admit that their idea is not to entertain, but to soothe the children. Kids want to be entertained! War on children! And finally, worst of all, this blogger teaches moms how to subject their kids to interrogation techniques. Sometimes a kid just wants to come home from school and be left alone. She gives moms tips like ambushing your kids in the car so they can't leave, telling them about her day, hoping the kids open up, asking the perfect number of questions so the kids don't feel you're badgering them so they can feel you can trust you. Caring moms who want to know about their kids. War on children! I don't know that I've ever heard you so energized. It's nobody's thinking about the children. What about the kids for crying out loud? It wasn't long ago I was a kid. I still look at you as a kid. At times. (laughs) My baby face. Cricket, cricket. Um... Great show. Do you guys learn anything? Anything stand out as you think about it? So, I mean, the, the real war may have been the war on people that aren't having kids. Like we look at them like they're just what's your deal? Pariahs. Pariah is a great word. But in, I mean, have we not learned that apparently they also want kids? I mean, there's some that don't, but that's that might just be the loud minority. 
Just because you don't have kids, that doesn't mean you don't want them at yeah. some point eventually. Also doesn't mean you wouldn't be great with them. Also doesn't mean we banish you to an island of childless people. Instead, maybe what we do is we bring you in and help you help us. Or better yet, put us to work taking care of your kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm a wonderful resource for my sister because I can stay up very late. I can get up very early and I can run around and exhaust her children. Totally. Well, and again, you can relate to her ch- children like only a child could. Exactly. If it wasn't for the no children crowd, who would be the babysitters to the has children crowd? Because if everybody had mm. kids at the same time, every Friday night, everybody would be staying in. Restaurants would close. The economy would collapse. So be thankful for us kid or not childless. The childful. Yeah. Childful. And what are, are us no kids people supposed to do is we work as waiters to serve the married couples who are finally getting a break. We so, wouldn't have a job. So really, we're preserving freedom. That's what we've discovered. Wow. Those who don't have kids are preserving freedom. You guys learned stuff that I don't even remember talking about. Well, we're taking a side note because I'm not as articulate Well, as I think she it's because you guys have been in there talking. That too. So you've probably taken this to a different level. It's kind of that moment, that moment in level. English class when you get uh, – okay, so what was your thought on the book? Well, this artwork on the cover is yeah. great. I like, I like what everyone else has said. I like the part where they killed a mockingbird. It's like <laughs> it actually uh, – The mockingbird. Um, okay. Um, good stuff. So again, be careful when you're judging people for having children. I, I've walked into a restaurant with six people and had stink eye by about 50 people that are like, you're bringing your kids in here. What, you want your kids to eat? Be careful of that. Also be careful on the flip side. Don't judge people that uh, you just don't know what's going on. Some of these people have been begging for a child. One of my favorite quotes uh, that I just found by Charles Dickens says, I just found it, but it's my favorite one that I found. No one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. No one is useless, and you should never feel useless because you can't have a kid, because you're not married, because you don't have everything uh, that you you kind of want in your life, your your worth is not valued and determined by what you have. It's probably more determined by what you give and how you serve. Thanks for listening, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. We'll be back tomorrow.